Attention Kroger shoppers. Did you know there's a world of innovative services and patient care right in store? It's where an award-winning pharmacy and nationally recognized care come together. Connect with one of our licensed pharmacists today at your local Kroger and experience the care you and your family deserve. Kroger Health. A world of care is in store. Services and availability vary by location. Age and other restrictions may apply. For coverage, consult your health insurance company. Visit the pharmacy or our site for details. Kroger always gives you savings and rewards on top of our lower-than-low prices. And when you download the Kroger app, you can enjoy over $500 in savings every week with digital coupons. Plus, you can earn fuel points to save up to $1 per gallon at the pump. So it's easy to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. We've locked in low prices to help you save big store-wide. Look for the locked-in low prices tags and enjoy extra savings throughout the store. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hi everyone and welcome to NeuroDigest, courtesy of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons Africa, where we bring you stories from across the continent of Africa with focus on neurodevelopmental disabilities, caregiving, the journeys, the stories, the highs, the lows, what we've experienced and everything you would like to know from professionals to parents to autistic persons persons with cerebral palsy the neurodiverse spectrum in full so stick around and let's take this to the next level so today i am having an awesome guest who's been an advocate for special needs for a very long time and that is the chair for differently talented society of kenya Alice Mundia. Karibu, Alice. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sylvia. <laughs> it is an honor to finally have you. You know, when we were having the TV show, we didn't have enough seasons when COVID came now to continue with conversations. And now that we've changed the story and now we're doing podcasts, both on our YouTube channel and on Spotify, it is awesome to finally have the conversation. Wow. So today, Alice, I will, we will be diving into the history of disability in Kenya. Because you've been there, what, 10 years? Yeah, for, for slightly more than 10 years More than now. 10 years. <laughs> Since okay. 2010. So introduce yourself. It's been quite a journey. Introduce yourself. Why did I choose you to be the one to tell us about this? <laughs> <laughs> so let our viewers get to know a bit about Alice. Thank you so much. My name is Alice Mundia, the chairperson of Differentially Talented Society of Kenya, and also a mother to an 18-year-old autistic young adult. 18? 19. 19. Okay. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm just a teenage, so trust you me, that is a hat off. Wow. So it's been quite a journey. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. Yes. yes. Now, I would tell us. For you, since if he's 18, 19 now, that is in the early 2000s when yes. you gave birth to your son. Yes. So for today, we will not get into your personal journey, but we will be having you again to tell us that. But in the state of, for how we met actually with Alice, yeah. is in the corridors of advocacy. Yeah. Yes, you know, so in the disability space you have, we have forums where we go championing for the changes that we want to see. And think and we contribute to um, what should be befitting to our children. Remember, for our children, they're not verbal, so it's not like every other disability where you have the person who's on a wheelchair coming and telling you, This is what I want. The verbal uh, autistic children and young adults are very few, and because of the nature of uh, autism and that. Uh, social interaction challenge you find we don't have many we have like two or three right now in our country who are advocates uh, so the journey has just been done by organizations for persons with disabilities and also by caregivers and as one of the key startups Alice is here with us today to share with us how this journey has been wow. yes <laughs> so how what did it start for you thank you so much Sylvia mm -hmm. I think my advocacy journey began somewhere around uh, 2010. Okay. Um, and this was um, like two years after my son was diagnosed with autism. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say the first two years were crazy. Mm -hmm. They were definitely crazy. Mm -hmm. As I tried to navigate between therapy, occupational therapy at Kenyatta National Hospital, getting to learn what autism was at that point in time, mm -hmm. you know, Googling, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of um, checking out what is happening online, <laughs> you know, what is happening across the globe, interventions. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, that time my son was in a school somewhere in Buruburu. Mm -hmm. And that is where I met a gentleman who was called George. Okay. And I remember George uh, mentioning about Autism Awareness Kenya. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so I attended the first meeting at Braeburn. That was in 2010. Hey, you guys that organization was more professional-led. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember our secretary was Trixie Pujo and we had, um, um, we had Puja Panessa of Kaizora. Um, but our, chair, our chairperson back then, Sospita, was also a caregiver. Okay. Um, so I remember when I attended that forum the first time, that's when I got, of course, to interact with other caregivers mm-hmm. and to actually meet the professionals. But normally, then, normally it feels yes. like a light bulb moment, like I am not alone, <laughs> yeah. you know, the first time yeah. you go and you're like, oh, actually there are other people. Because it's, it's a very lonely journey, yeah. I have to say. Yes, it is. The minute you get your diagnosis and then you're just trying to figure out where do I go from? Then you hear words like occupational therapy, yeah. speech, things you've never heard before. Yeah. Neurologist. I was like, I just knew a neurosurgeon yeah. because of uh, that book for Ben Carson. Yeah. But then now when I was being told uh, on my side that you need to see a neurologist, I'm like, who? Again? For what? You know, for what? It's, it's uh, autism. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so those days, um, I think... Um, there was very little awareness and advocacy back then. And I remember meeting the professionals, getting to ask questions, and I kind of like just felt at home. Uh, and I remember we, we were moving towards April, mm-hmm. the Autism Awareness Month in April, mm-hmm. and they were organizing for the annual event. Oh, they had an annual yes, event? Yes, they used to have an annual <laughs> event back then. And we used to do a lot of awareness raising across mm. the shopping malls in Nakumat back then. Mm. Like three days, would 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 spare three days in the month of April to do awareness within the, the shopping malls, talking to customers coming in into Nakumat. How do people receive you? I can imagine at that time, if it's still a struggle now, that's like 13 yes. years ago. Yes. Why even people listening to you? It was very hard. And there were people were asking so much questions, mm. and they also didn't, they, they were really just taking flyers. Of course, uh, uh, people who are disinterested, but you would also get caregivers um, who are coming into shop, but of course, family members of persons with uh, autism. And back then, I don't think there was any, there was the only autistic self advocate back then was Nani um, of walking autism. Um, okay, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, my, uh, my good friend, I remember her name uh, soon enough. So, so there were very few autistic self-advocates then. And I remember now, during that time, we had an AGM. Mm. And oh, there was even an AGM. Yes, 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 yes. I think if you're talking of 2010, that was when I was giving birth to Andrew. Imagine. So you guys were preparing the way for us. Wow. Who are not yet even, I did not have an ounce of an idea. So what's And that's when I became a volunteer, a volunteer assistant treasurer mm. at Autism Awareness Kenya. And I would say that. And it's always voluntary service, yeah, right? It's, it's always voluntary service. So how do you balance voluntary service and, for, and raising your child? I can tell you that um, advocacy is not easy. I think it's it's not for the faint-hearted. Because yeah. I can tell you, when you, <laughs> you, you have to volunteer your services, you have to give your time. Mm-hmm. You have also to give your time also to reading and acquiring new information. Yeah attending workshops, you know, accessing online materials, accessing online workshops, because when you're dealing with caregivers or autistic self-advocates, definitely you need information. Yeah, because when I started also, I remember it was not easy. You're trying to learn. For me, I went to the UK first to just interact with the systems. I did my research out there, benchmarking. Mm-hmm. I talked to my brother in the US, what goes on. But most of my insights came from the UK because they're one of the best, you yeah. know, standards that we have when it comes to social protection. And also ideas within the school. I talked to actually the people who changed the narrative in the UK. So like it was God was sending me, because I was in a place where I didn't know what I want to do with my life. I was yeah. very scared. You know, when you start getting yeah. that midlife, midlife crisis when you get to 35. So I went there and I was talking. And everywhere I went, actually, funny enough, the yeah. good thing with God is he will send you where he wants you to be. I was running away from my stress and depression and everything here to go just spend some time to clear my head because I'd lost two very close friends of mine and I felt like I was the next one. So I was like, I need need clarity because my system and my work, my graphic design business, I felt like nothing made sense anymore. 
you know when you're seeking your purpose yeah. and everywhere I went I found someone about disability everything then my sister has a child with Down syndrome so it also gave me an insight on exactly because now he was at least more grown yeah. and I was trying to understand like the operation the procedures how are they in school so I went to his school I was playing mommy to him for a wow. while so I got that first hand like seeing the way they do their IEP so that's where I got my insights but when you come back home even getting meetings with the ministries was like homework yeah I tell you my friend eh? you go you sit you're sent here you're sent there nobody knows anything it's like disability and for the neurodiversity something like ah, we don't have time for that story. yeah, yeah you know yeah. that's someone else's business so we chose to make it our business right yeah so and like I think not for the faint-hearted there are those days that you just feel like I can't do this no more yeah and this, do, you, do you go through those days because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what, I, what, did I, what did I put myself yeah. into because I'm like I have my own child. Yeah. Can I just focus on my child and move on? Because it it is also a job other than not being for the faint-hearted is not really appreciated. I don't know if you've had such moments where the demand from the people you're representing feels like um, whatever you're doing, they look at it like it's not enough. Yeah. Yet at the end of the day, for you, you're looking at. All I have put in, because the results are not overnight. Yeah. I am sure the results are not overnight. And when we are going for these meetings, like where, where, where we met, I think was, what was the first time we met, by the way? I remember it was a meeting, but it was... In Kasarani. Kasarani. There was, um, I think it was in 2019. 2019. There was some discussion going on. Uh-huh. Um, Actually, that's when I started my advocacy. I, do you know whether it was around statistics or the upcoming... Yes. Yes. Um, that it was a, it was a it was about census. Census. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So that's the set of questions. Exactly. Yeah. But I then at that time I was still I was very no, I was not as loud, I was a bit quiet and then just taking in information, taking in so I was like, you know, sometimes also it depends on how you how you connect with someone. Yeah. So I was like you felt so warm and like a mother figure to me. It was like this is someone <laughs> we're in the same world, the same wow. issues, you know. So I was like, ah, this one, and this one we can relate, and we're in the same boat. Yeah. yeah. So now, after autism awareness and all the AGMs, is it still there? Um, it's been some years since then. Mm. Um, and um, autism awareness Kenya, um, I think slowed down a bit because, um, of course, it was professionally driven and, mm. and caregiver driven. Mm. But but um, of course, uh, the various professionals also retreat also to their own individual consultancies yeah. and caregivers also so much changes over time mm -hmm. uh, not everyone wants to continue with advocacy and awareness raising <laughs> so somehow the organization just slowed down funny you say yes. that you know what someone actually told me when they started ah we'll give you three years yeah we'll see if you'll still be there i'm like why and i'm like no we've seen so many people walk in this was actually at a government office yeah. we've seen so many of you walking here and within a short time they all either burn out or they just disappear so yeah we'll just give you time i was like oh challenge taken you know because yeah. you know sometimes i think there is that drive like because yeah. what we're doing is actually in hindsight if you look at all the things we're doing sitting in these meetings trying to guide government trying to guide policy yeah is it for our children really our your definitely child definitely not definitely not a lot that is happening now uh -huh. is going to, to bring in results 10 years, yes. 5 10 years from now. So we are, we are, we're doing this for the future for generation. The future for the mothers yeah. who don't even know they're going to give birth to an autistic child. Or a yes. mother who's given birth, their child is autistic, yet they don't know they don't have a diagnosis. Yes. Those are the people we are fighting for. Yes. Yeah. So how did DTSK start? <laughs> so after Autism Awareness Kenya, I remember during that period of time, mm. I was also busy in school. Um, and so it reached a point where I was not giving enough, you know, to, to autism awareness Kenya. And I remember now we came together as caregivers and started like a WhatsApp group in 2015, in September 2015, and a few professionals. Um, and as, because of the... WhatsApp was there. That's when WhatsApp. 2015. Yeah, that was 2015. <laughs> it feels like, you know, it feels like November. Just like yesterday. So I remember there was a lot of conversations, like you'd see 200 messages in one day. Yeah. Caregivers asking questions after questions, questions after questions. Um, and I remember because I had sat in with a lot of professionals across the world from educationists mm -hmm. to, to 
Trixie, who is a counseling psychologist and also very knowledgeable, noticing matters to, to Puja, who is a BCBA, you know. So I had sat with a lot of professionals and I also realized that I, I also had a lot of information to share mm. with, with, with the caregivers. Uh, and I remember we would share and share and share and share until we asked ourselves, how do we then transit from just a WhatsApp group to, to, to an organization? Mm. And that's when, um, in May 2016, we did formally registered BTSK as a society. Uh -huh. And by the time we were registered, in a, uh, we were like three WhatsApp WhatsApp groups and mm -hmm. right now DTSK in our WhatsApp platforms we have almost a thousand autistic persons and their caregivers. Oh, yes. Okay. Which is quite that's, quite that's quite a, yeah, that's quite a handful. handful. Like so many yes. messages if that was two hundred. Yes. How many are you now having um, at this point? I also think over time what is happening is there, there's a group of caregivers who kind of like feel sorted. Mm. You know, they get comfortable. Uh, they are kind of like They've learned a lot of the years. Yes, and only ask just one question that, like, how will my son transit? Yeah, that journey. Oh, a young oh, adult. Oh, so, so those are the kind of questions the older caregivers now just ask one two questions. But it, but but once in a while you see you find that um, the younger parents are coming in. Mm. Uh, and they also have so many, many questions. questions. So it's like, a, it's like a mentorship yes. thing. It's a so mentorship. The, the, at yes, least yes. if the new ones come in, you find someone who's there, and then you can have the conversation. And yes, yes, yes. And then now you can ask your questions. And the thing of having this, at least we're embracing technology to support each other. So yes, I'm, yes. I'm imagining the back in, <laughs> before all of this technology yes, yes. things, you're in your own house, you have no idea what is going on. You just walk with Italy. And I think that's why back yeah. in the days guys used to be locked up. Yeah. Because you can imagine a hyper child. It used to be it used to be I think very it must yeah. have been very, very difficult. Very and you yeah. can imagine now we are talking about this and we are within a bigger city. Yes. The city of Nairobi. You can imagine someone down yeah. there in, mm. in Trukana, somebody down there in Nyeri, somebody down there in Kericho, mm. or even Kisumu. So what are we doing Gordon. about it? Yeah. What are we doing? I know us guys have yeah. the right. Um yeah. and, and it's not easy to even get guys to support us, you know, yes, when yes. we're organizing. Because when we look as parents, when we're looking at these guys in the city, we look at the ones who are uko yes, and yes. we're coming together. I, I remember like last year you guys did Migori and Nyeri yes. and Nairobi, right? Yes, yes. But then what challenges do we face? Yes, we've had meetings. I know we usually sit in, so, in, in consortiums and in forums where we give our input yes. and we get first-hand um, to guide other professionals and other people in disability space because I, 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 I can attest to like the time we're doing the budget yes, and yes. when you listen to contributions and you're just like that won't work for us yeah, yeah. you know it just it just won't because even sometimes when I look at the like at, at, at the council the benefits that are there and I'm like my child will never may never you yeah, know yeah. it's it's like a 50 50 those those benefits they might not drive so like the scholarship you know program. the scholarship yes as we are more in there if you don't do the early Early you know, intervention. Early intervention, yeah. we won't get there. So those are some of the policies that we keep fighting uh, when we are not fighting, but just we're advocating to see that people get to understand neurodiversity, people get to understand those with neurodevelopmental disabilities. And at Ali Speaks, I know equity is the key thing we are fighting. Yeah. Not equality, because yeah. equality is what is there right now. Yeah. You're saying, oh, the rest of the world can drive, so we want to make it easy for you to drive, so we give you the fact that you won't pay tax, so it's easier for you to acquire a car. Well and good. But I might not even pass the driving yeah. test as a yeah. person who's neurodiverse. Yeah. You see? So what other option is there? Every time I always talk about that parent with a child with cerebral palsy, and the fact that maybe as a parent, getting that car as early as possible makes my movement for therapy, all that. Can you imagine how they carry their children going for therapy? public transport, yeah, yeah. the way it is a hassle. Maybe I can take a loan and get a car and it makes my mobility high. Yes, but yes. then our law state what? That until that child is 18, yes, then yes. they can apply. Yes. You're not helping me. By that time I've broken my back, I've given up or, and you know. And probably that child is not in gainful employment. Exactly. Because of the high support needs. Exactly. Then, then what next? You know. Those, 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 they those, benefit from tax exemption? Of course, we definitely know that this is a spectrum, and there are those who will, who will be of course, be able to get into gainful employment. Yeah. But what of the large majority also? Because the majority and they require therapy, they require, you know, all the support. Mm. Um, yes, yes. 
So the, we are hoping that all this that from what has been done there, the work that you guys do at DTSK, when we are coming in together and all other organizations, and hoping that we all have the same vision. Let me touch on a very, very, very delicate matter. Yes, Someone yes. had said the lack of unity in uh, in the space of those people who are yes, uh, yes. championing for disability could be one of the challenges of your not going far. Yes, Do you yes. agree with that? Uh, How yes, has your experience to, to, to a large extent, yes. Mm. But remember that um, we all find ourselves in this space. Mm. So meaning that um, when we started off, and I would say like uh, for DTSK, mm. when we started off, we were in that caregiver pity pity mm. situation mm. where we are talking about diapers, anticonvulsive medication therapy. Then, as we transitioned mm -hmm. as an organization, we realized that we needed to link up with others and could not work alone. Mm -hmm. We realized that um, we needed also to change our, our main goal, mm -hmm. not just awareness creation and advocacy, but at the same time we transit also to empowerment mm -hmm. of the caregivers mm -hmm. and empowerment of the young adults and transition of the young adults. Mm -hmm into either gainful employment or micro-enterprise. Mm -hmm. So what happens is every organization begins with certain goals and objectives. Yes. And so um, because there's no funding, mm -hmm. there's minimal funding, most of these organizations are not able to transition. They, like, I would say like an organization that begins in Nyeri, mm -hmm. a, a caregiver small support group, yeah. they will continue meeting, having monthly meetings, having a small WhatsApp group, mm -hmm. and of course um, supporting each other when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. But since they have zero funding, they will later be able to, to move into and a national yeah, outlook. Yeah. Uh, so I think the, that is how most of the organizations of persons with disability have been formed on the caregiver so uh, support groups, the, ground, the CBOs yeah. on yeah. the ground. Uh, but now, because we are fragmented, it means that we are not able to also progress well in, in terms of a national outlook. And I also like what UDPK does, because the uh, United Disabled Persons of Kenya, UDPK, which is our umbrella body, mm. also brings together all of us into one platform, like various organizations of persons with disability, into one platform and one space. Mm. And also is able to also organize forums where we can all meet. Like I remember when we met the first mm. time, it was um, it was a UDPK meeting yes, at the caucus, the caucus yeah. on disability rights. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Mm -hmm. So, so when we are fragmented, it's difficult for us to be able to push the agenda mm -hmm. or tra to transform policy. But over time, we realize that we need also to link up with others. DTSC needs to work with other speaks. We need to work together in the neurodiverse space mm -hmm. so that when an, our neurodiverse voice is heard. It's hard in, in, in a new unified way. Mm. Uh, and what we've also learned also through our forums with NDI, mm. the National Democratic Institute, the moradams that we've done. Yeah, we've know, done so many. Yes. Yeah, especially COVID time, right? Yes, we realized that um, when we did those memorandums as, as a mm -hmm. group of organizations, yeah. a consortium of organizations, it that it was louder, it yes. was easier on us mm -hmm. because um, we are also coming in also with different skill sets. Mm -hmm. you know, and also the money, like if we yes. come in together, if this, if like, yes, like yes. for that one, I know like NDI are the ones who have the funding, but yes, our, yes. they're not doing it alone. Yes. Even ask guys, when when I come and I say, because remember also, as yes. caregivers, we're also having different experiences, yes, right? Yes, yes. She says the son is 18, mine is 13. My experience because of the autism being a spectrum is never the same. It's never so maybe there's a challenge I went through, like does the son get conversions? Uh, no, no, no. And mine does. Actually, both of them do. Yes, so yes, my yes. experience with conversions is something that would be it's hard for you to represent. Very so very if true. I stand there and I'm like, this would work for my child with conversions. So like yes. when we are talking about like setup, yes. other, like if we're talking about policy about let's say communication, you know that caution that they have to put like flickering lights will affect. That yes. will not cross you as much as yes, you are a parent of just this child. Yes, I am a parent of a. But then there are two different. Well, even my. When you talk of hyperactivity, Brad is very hyper. Andrew is very calm. Yeah, they're both autistic, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then the com comorbid conditions they all have yeah. makes it like such a wide presentation. And this reminds me like one of the forums that I am in for cerebral palsy. Someone was like, Sylvia, you always talk about autism. Eh? Who represents us? I'm like, <laughs> you know, that is what I'm talking about, that unity. I am actually there so that I can understand what your parents are going through. Yes. Then when I'm doing my representation, like let's say now when we are doing the forum, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 
if there is no representation from cerebral palsy space, I can stand and say, our fellow neurodiverse. Yes, you know, that's yes. what people don't understand. I don't have to have a child with cerebral palsy because the challenges, um, for example, my child has a epilepsy, 80% of CP parents, that is it. But then the other challenges I will not know unless I'm in your space. Yes. Because I remember I was kicked out of a group because of that. I was just like, <laughs> are you guys even being serious? You know, I, I think yeah. people lose focus on the bigger picture yes, and think yes. about it is our space. Because you see, you're saying that how many of us are, why is this one here, why is this one? I'm like, yeah. and, and, and that's how we lose out sometimes. Because you see, true. when we are representing you and opportunities come and we are able to come and tell you, uh, this is here, people do this, do this, we can guide you to be able to access some of the benefits that Very are there. True. So our mindset, I think, as caregivers, even yes, with yes. the different disabilities that are there, we need to just look at it as we have the same challenges. Yes. All of us are under neurodevelopmental disabilities. And when we go out to do advocacy, we need to also understand your challenges, then we can represent you. And our job is not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And absolutely, and I see when in the, in the main disability movement, mm. that neurodiversity was never included because there were never voices yeah. within the movement. So we are changing, so, we are changing so, the narrative now with all the things that are being done. Yes. So I realize that now, there are many people who have a lot of interest mm. in neurodiversity. Mm. Want to understand what exactly is autism, what is autism, mm. how can we support, mm. what, uh, how can we make the classroom setup inclusive, mm. how can we make uh, programs the inclusive. Education, you know. the health sector. Yes, you know. And this talk never used to happen before because we were not included in that space. Mm. And I also like the fact that uh, we also have a growing number of autistic self-advocates. Yes, that's, you know, that's a good point. Also in the, in the main space. I know, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I always have this, I don't know if you've, you've experienced this, that the moment when our kids go quiet. Yes, yes. Or they just, I'm just like, yeah. Like what is going on in his mind? Back of his mind. What exactly is it? like you know that you will sit you'll be like ah, I've not paid bills, I need to do this tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing I've always said, I wish there was a way I could just get yeah. into his mind. Can you but like you I know? see my son like um, sometimes he gets those verbal themes. Uh so he begins by a bit of noise and then he starts he starts like shouting his thoughts out. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the original, and you're trying to grab this. Then, it, then it's like, that we pack. Then I'm asking you, where do you want to go? You want to pack? To Nakuru. Where do you want to go see Nakuru? You know, so suddenly I can tell he has this visual picture of exactly what, what he wants. You know? Yeah. It's uh, just a challenge of pieces yes, and putting together. the pieces together putting it to be able to communicate yeah. out. Mm -hmm. I think it's, a, it's just a key challenge because of, definitely it's because of uh, the difficulties that persons with uh, autism okay. experience when it comes to minimalist, minimalist speaking. Ha, let, so, me, let me dive into that, 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 that group setup. I yes. just remembered something about when you set up the caregivers, stakeholders yes, yes, forum. Yes, I remember yes. we set it up like two years ago. We met and we were like, but then we can bring the leaders together and then we were like, let's set it up. Yes, I yes. Sure we had set up. Yes. And people join, 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 then people start exit, exit, exit. And yeah. it's like a place you're having a conversation on your own. And that's that's where I'm coming from when I'm asking about yeah. this. Is there unity? Are we? Because I feel that if if Alice is doing transition, yes, yes. I'm doing policy yes. and communication and just general awareness. Yes. Someone else, like you see, when Aska did the medical project, and someone else is doing that. Like if we know what everyone is doing, we leverage. You know, we leverage, and then we come together. Yeah. Like you're specializing in this, you're specializing yes. in this. And then this is how we're changing the story. Like also the, the passion, yeah. the passion with Jackie and mm -hmm. uh, and Jane when it comes to access to justice. To access to justice, yeah. you know, like like so we know like when anything to justice, I can send to this yes. person. But what I want to see is more of as much as there is the collaboration, there is that speaking to each other. Yes, yes. Because uh, in confidence, some parents are not very happy. Some of our of, of our of our groups how yes, we run yes. it. I know we have our own ways of running things, but then we have to consider why we are there at the end of the day. Yes, it's yes. not for our own gain. We are there for for the other parents yes. and also parents, vice versa, yes. for the leaders and the people who have sacrificed and their time. To remember, go. parents also have have a, a lot of high expectations. Exactly. What they see oh, is the grandma. They see they see like. 
it's big money here. It's it's NGO I also don't receive any salary from exactly. BTS. There is no salary. I have to volunteer my time and resources. I am serving in a in a in a volunteer management committee. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. Uh-huh. So so And you're still a parent. I'm still a parent. I'm still a parent. So you're still going through the challenges. Yes. yes. So for our parents when they're coming at us like you have not is this my friend, we are the same. Yeah. It's just that I have sacrificed. I've chosen to stand up yeah. and, 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 and bridge the gap on your behalf. Mm-hmm. I've just decided to, you know, yes. echo out your voice more. So that, that, that synergy of, of an empathy, of understanding, because yeah. sometimes people can throw words at you and you're just like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Lord, carry this cross with me. <laughs> Not for the faint-hearted. Not for the faint-hearted. So that awareness raising is not for the faint-hearted. Because you know it's taking a lot of your time, your mm-hmm. space, your energy. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, there's a week um, I was calling my vice chair uh, Jimmy Karanja, mm-hmm. and I was telling him I have a list of about 15 caregivers who need immediate solutions. Mm-hmm. Like one has no anticonvulsants, and one needs anticonvulsant medication. One needs food. One needs. One had lost the child. Mm-hmm. Another one also has. Have, uh, is sick in hospital. The other one, the husband is in hospital. Wow. One of our caregivers. So you can find that um, other than what you're doing, what uh, people are sitting up there, the mandate of the organization, or the mandate of the group that you're serving, there's also the individual uh-huh. messages that, yes. that keep yeah. hitting your, mm-hmm. your WhatsApp group. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember I kind of like was reaching out, and this is the caregiver who said, we said, anonymously, let me give something. Yeah, let me give something. Just, you know, and a few people, uh, and, and this was what gave birth to, like, we have a small initiative. We call it to support uh-huh. Like, um, somebody can just disappear because they have issues. Yeah. So we say, to support uh-huh. If you have, like, an immediate need, mm-hmm. let's get to know this what immediate is, need. If you can be able to sort it, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. If you can do, if it's something that we can do, but that's something that's that 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 very strong. I'm sure you've seen it, like when a parent loses a child, yes, yes. we come together, we support them, they little, even if it's a hundred bob. Yes. But you see, if you're in a group like for a thousand, if everyone does a hundred bob, that's, yes. that's like ten grand. Yes. And because and, social protection does not come to us, and you know how complex ours is with social yes. protection. So we would love for the government to support us, but when you look at the facts, the numbers, there was that debate I'm sure you saw about. So who is more deserving than the yeah. other? You know, why should I not? When be you know, like Jamie says severe disabilities, yeah. well, the assumption yeah. is, is mm-hmm. either these are persons with disabilities who are bedridden, mm-hmm. who cannot be able to to leave their homes without support, um, who require the caregiver 24/7. But then, j- just look around. Autistic persons. How many autistic persons? In fact, the KISA reports. On transition to secondary schools, mm-hmm. the report they did, I think, in 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. was that there was no single autistic learner mm-hmm. in the schools mm-hmm. within the, 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 the study, the research study. Mm-hmm. There was not one autistic learner mm-hmm. in secondary mm-hmm. schools. Are these young adults transitioning? Mm-hmm. Or are they, are they requiring support from their caregivers in adulthood? Mm-hmm. You know? And how? what can we do? Because I think the mindset that has been there traditionally of just um, loving people, like you say, MH, the mentally, I don't want to refer to that specific statement where autistic persons, persons with Down syndrome, yeah. cerebral palsy, other developmental disabilities were all put together. As him, him. And when they say MH, it's like, it's like we're saying, we're, we're saying, we cannot really handle you, you just need to go to an like MH room. school, mm. one room, or go to a special unit, you know. And that, 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 and, and, and that I think also for us, it's it's like a blocker when you just told your child you've yes. been put in the MH, MH standing for mentally handicapped. And yes. you can imagine how that makes you feel as a yes. parent, you yes. know. And these are some of the derogatory words that when we're doing awareness, we want to, we, we want you to know, script. Or things like, oh, that one is mentally retarded. Yes. I'm like, you know, seriously. This kind of no. uh, statements mm-hmm. that are not also in conformity with the law, yes. with, with the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So, so, so you find that uh, because, because of putting them in one basket, without recognizing that they have strength, 
They have unique talents, they have unique needs, they have aspirations, they also want to get into gainful employment like everybody else. So I think traditionally, we were still talking about the traditional setup, is there were no mechanisms of having them transition at all. It was just seamlessly. staying here, learn yes. one skill, which is just bidding and, yes, yes. and yes. matchmaking. Yes. And that's it. And if you can do that, yay! Yes. Yet, you know, God is not unfair, right? Because yeah. I'm sure every special needs child has that thing that they're very, very good at. They're very at. good at. Very good. But we, we do our systems recognize that? I don't think so. Do they put in the correct uh, policies to be able to get that out of the kids? Because yes. you can imagine like what you were saying about if you look at the, uh, at the scholarships, it's all secondary school. Yes. So how do you expect our children to get to secondary yes. when we don't give them the proper basic education? Yes, intervention. Exactly, and early intervention. Because they go hand in hand. Because someone was telling me like, oh, so is, are you guys uh, like one of our projects? Is it education or help? I'm like, it's both. I'm like, how is it both? I'm like, for our kids. Yeah. It has to be both. Education has to be supported with therapy, has to be supported with play, has to be supported with dietary interventions. You All know. those things. So <laughs> you cannot split it. It's a combination of things. Exactly. Combination of interventions. And you can remember last week in, in the forum when yes. I stood up and said, like, ask us. Do you remember Nita trains for the for the for the labor market? Okay. Uh, so uh, it's more skills based rather than education based because NITA is not an educational institution. Mm. It's it's an institution under under the Ministry of Labor uh, that that actually trains for the labor market mm. and does skills upgrading. Mm -hmm. So we we found it very ideal because um, most of the skills would be practical based. So they've done very well, mm -hmm. and they've gone for, as I said, they've gone for industrial attachments in various institutions, and we've also been able to do a lot of awareness raising within mm -hmm. those institutions. This and hopefully, we'll also have a, a lot of autist, autistic self-advocates coming and, out of it. Yes, coming out of it, and <laughs> young adults with developmental disabilities. And did that and, and were just in their space before. That's yes. So even, they, even the attachment, they go together with their support person. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. They go together with the support person, mm -hmm. and it's neater that places them. Okay. Because uh, it's the body that is also charged with matters related to industrial attachment. Okay. So meaning that they are better placed. They, so they, they actually place them into into those uh, How many people institutions. So far? So far, the team was 33. Mm -hmm. um, uh, three of them could not fit into Nita. Mm -hmm. They are young, young autistic adults, but with interest in music and with mm -hmm. Jane. So the three went to Talanta Institute. Okay. So the team Nita is about 30. Okay. Yes. Okay. That comprises of the young autistic adults and their caregivers. So must they be under DTSK for them to qualify? To? Um, you know, this was a pilot program and it was funded by the Australian High Commission. Mm -hmm. So we will be able to document it mm -hmm. and hopefully others will be able to leverage on it mm -hmm. because this is a program that that can be replicated across the country I think that's something in various that counties that the know. government can take yes it yes this is yeah. something that even because the ministry of labor exactly can, 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 take, can take up because um, it's it's one program that allows the young adults who have been left behind in the mm -hmm. past and seem like they cannot transition yeah. into gainful employment mm -hmm. It is actually allowing them to not just acquire skills, but also interact with their peers in an inclusive setting. So many of them coming from the special units and of course coming also from private special schools and have never interacted with neurotypical peers and finding themselves in an inclusive setup, you know, with youth around the same yeah, I, always, I always say one one of the things when yes. we're doing advocacy when you're asking people where you ex expect our children to go when they don't because there is no special world where they're going to go Very right true. they have to come back into the community but the minute we don't include them even from the basic things so what are we trying to say you yes. know where will they be going because you see like when you're asking there's no transition to secondary where do they go how many technical institutes are there yes trust you me i have the list it is and, a shame and if you go to the educational base yes oh, I, they are not this one is, it's, it's just education yes. based and very few and and, and the, the other thing that i find that we have gaps in is like actually in the general public schools yes the special needs are set up aside like uniawale it's not in the plans. You know, the way they're like, they have to get this. Yes. The teachers have to achieve this. Yeah. Even put, hold them accountable. Yeah. How many hold their special needs teachers accountable? Yeah. Even the number of how many students, they don't know. Ask any, any, any uh, head 
I can bet you they don't yeah. know what is going on. I have gone around in our advocacy journeys and that is the same story. Yeah. You'll be told, oh, there is the head of the special unit. Ask them those questions. Yeah. I'm like, and we're talking about integration in schools. We're talking about inclusive, inclusive education. Inclusive education. And you don't know yeah. the numbers of your children who are in being integrated into the mainstream. Anyway, they, uh, th that's why we're talking about all this advocacy yeah. and it has to keep moving and the conversation yeah. has to go. CBC was going to cure this. But now you see also in CBC also, this this the Kipsea exam and there's also the Kilea exams for, for the intermediate exams for, for... How many make it to Kipsea? Very few. Because I think... <laughs> so that the higher you go, you the drop, drop. Is we also have is the issue of assessments. The EACs, the yeah. We don't have how many EACs, do you know how many... centers. Uh, let me ask, how many, how many, we have one year in Nairobi, right? Yes. How many, uh, roughly, I wish we had such a report of special needs learners who yeah. need that assessment to get into school? Yeah, because I think assessment has also the staffing of the educational assessment resource centers yeah. has also been a key challenge. Yeah, too. So, so, yeah, um, yeah, uh, in Nairobi, the most common ones are St. Anne's and also... The most common ones, are, but I think they are around six or something. Mm -hmm. But I think the staffing issues has, has been difficult. I only know two people actually. Yeah. In, when it comes to yeah, they are only two people. They are only two staff, I think, within Nairobi. And then apart so, from that, so, we have Kise now. Yes, and now Kise. But now Kise is getting overwhelmed because you see now all everything is falling. Yes, and mostly you know now they are doing more functional, mm -hmm. more functional assessment. I think the assessment is also a key challenge because. Remember that these learners are on a spectrum. Mm. So, so there will be learners who can go to transition and also even currently without, without the full implementation of inclusive education, mm. there will be learners who can actually be able to transition and be integrated into the mainstream schools mm. and move yeah. towards yeah. the academic pathway. Mm -hmm. But probably that is not happening because um, happening so well because, they are, because of the assessment. But you see, even with the assessment, now my other challenge is when we are having JSS, yes. the we have for JSS. Yes. Why don't we have a similar one when we're like, okay, special education, yes. after that, either Kipsea and Kilea yeah, uh, one, and we say, okay, this one, the pathway is vocational. Because you see, yes. in the same institution, you only have one special unit. Yes. And that is where everything is. Because when I look and back in my now, like, why now, don't now the special that? units is both a mix of age-based <laughs> and stage-based. <laughs> so meaning you can find a seven-year-old and a twenty-year-old in the same class. In the same class. That is the setup. So if then, if, if then, then, then the young adult starts having a, a, a bit of teenage no, behavior exactly. issues that come with and teenage, then they are with the young and they are with the eighty-year-old in, in the, the same, same class. Place. Then you also, of course, call the mother. Those stories from the caregivers. You call the mother and say. This guy is not fitting in. I call that a beer buyer. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's the challenge also I have with it. With, sometimes with the special units. Because of course it's both. Um, it's not really age-based. It's stage-based. So meaning all of them all are my, in that But one the good thing is, uh, if, if now our education system is taken seriously, have, I it think will be both age-based and stage-based. Stage so you even have there, in, within the special unit yes, now, yes. And this is something when uh, we are having, because uh, our first key pilot school was Kasarani Primary. Yes, yes. And what we are looking at having a conversation is we separated the classes so that you're able to awesome. have the skill base, the ages. But then now, well, let's go back to the other root problem. You give me two teachers. Now they're splitting themselves across all the students. Because yeah, yeah. yes, we have done as an organization, we've come, we've split it for them. This is how it's supposed to be. But then the staffing issue, because it's a government school, yes, comes yes. from there. Like, uh, during transition, now one, one got promoted. There was a lot of, of shifting of teachers. One got promoted. The next one is, is um, retiring in a very short time. Yet there is no person mm -hmm. who has been posted. So how are they supposed to come, start teaching? Remember, all yes. of, when we're talking about individualized education plans, that means they're supposed to come, meet the student. This is where they are. This is where they're... Do we have even those things? And that is where the standardization needs to yeah. come. I know, I know KICD is as, um, it's in the process of developing an inclusive education handbook mm -hmm. that is inclusive of all learners. But I still think that um, the in-classroom setting, mm -hmm. there's still a lot that needs to be there's done. A lot. It's in readiness for, for inclusive mm -hmm. education. Definitely, I think we are having this conversation <laughs> now, 10 years down the line, We'll be sitting and be like, wow, I love what's happening. You know, and that's what <laughs> that's advocacy what is all about. about. That's what advocacy is that about. Is what we, we might not benefit. For, for me, let me tell you the challenge yes. I'm having right now, yeah? 
because you've gone ahead and you've passed this. And I, I know in your own side also there is the challenge of your uh, when we're having our one-to-one -one, uh, parent to parent because this is a conversation we have one parent to another. That's what neurodigest is all about. So I'm at that stage where we are now 13. Yes. We have not acquired fine motor skills to be writing. Yes, yes. Sometimes when we see the way people say, oh, my child can write, their name can do mathematics. I'm like, so great. <laughs> what are we ever going to get there? So I'm in that point, I'm feeling like it's a new navigation journey. What do I do? Yes, yes. And I think we will, we will have a sitting to discuss uh, that thing of transitioning in detail. Uh, the parenting side of it after we, uh, after this today's conversation is on vocational selling the whole my thought. But yes. all in all is like as parents, yes. where do we get the guidance to know that from this stage, if these are the things you look forward to, if your child can go either yeah. to vocational training yeah. or do we continue spending money in the classroom yeah. when it looks like it is like and then there is this issue that comes. My child is a good artist, my child is a good singer. Yeah. I've ever gone to ask a music school if they can take us either they'll say no we cannot take it yeah. because it's a special needs child or no it is too expensive for me as well, they require a certificate to be able to enter into exactly. this specific institution. So we we have we and have we were doing assessment by the way for NITA, mm. we also have encountered those challenges, mm. the preparedness. Like you will find a twenty four year old and you're asking the parent, what is he good at? Mm -hmm. Then the parent is like, Wow. Let me call the sibling. Is it IT? I'm not sure he loves touching the phone. And one of the key challenges also we have is the preparedness for transition. Are the schools preparing the young adults to transition? Because transition is supposed to happen when the child is somewhere around from, from the age of eight. By the time they get to 12. But you say the challenge. Let me challenge you on that one, Alice. At eight, yes, yes. this child, let's look at the chrono. There is the age, yes. then there is the mental age, then there is the yes. chrono age. Right now my child is 13, but if I look at his, yes, his body is yes. 13, fully 360. Yes. If I look at his mental age, I'm seeing more of a five-year-old, yeah. not even fully five-year-old, yeah. like a five-year-old, a three-year-old in one. At eight years, you are concentrating on the therapies. Exactly. Yeah, you are still struggling to discover even what autism is because the diagnosis also happens late. Exactly. You're struggling to get a school where he can be accepted and he can be placed. So transition is supposed to happen early, yes, but then transition is not happening. But is it a fact? preparedness for transition is not happening. <laughs> now so, this one is where now the African context comes. Yes. Because there is the international standards that state these things, but then that we are in Africa. Yeah. In Africa, we are behind in so many things, and that's what we're trying to do with our advocacy. And like we said, NeuroDigest is about conversations, Africa conversations awesome. on the facts that are going on and the changes we want to see. And this is something that I've seen across all. I think it's only one school in Ethiopia that I came across that was able to have a one-on-one -on -one therapy. So you find this kid's transition is impeccable. Yes, I yes. walked into a, a like junior secondary, yes, what yes. is called... And my task was identify the autistic child. And remember, these guys learn English and they learn Arabic. Yeah, yeah. And of course, for me, being a parent, then those things I know and, and interacting yeah. a lot, I'm yeah. able to pick up those things. But do you know it was a tough, it was a tough one. They've been integrated in all mannerisms, everything. There's nothing as yes. the way here we are saying one day he's there, the next day he's in the special unit. Yes. No, that child is in that integrated setup. Wow. And the therapy yeah, session provide the therapies therapy from zero interventions in the classroom setting is the support materials in the visual aids let me tell and you and the visual shades from equipment wow. to set up but of course it's a private school yeah, it's well. not a government school <laughs> disclaimer and yeah. that's where we hope for so the good thing with such things is now we're able to benchmark yes and the one thing that I saw that was exceptional that we lack yes. when you enter the school it is one on one therapy one therapist like the whole day, it is wow. therapy and playing. Like, you know, those, those therapy activities yes. that teach you. So you find fine motor skill comes, everything yeah. comes, then they space it out. The next level is one to two. Like one, two, wow. two students, one therapist. You know, so because you that intense one. So they start yes. very early, because those were three-year-olds when I walked in, were three-year-olds, etc. And you find it very, very intense. Then now as you go up, then you're becoming independent. Yeah. And then now you're being transitioned now into the wow. general school. I love that because that early intervention, 
that that early intervention is very key. They say that the brain is neuroplastic, exactly. neuroplasticity. Exactly. That you flex it, you flex it, exactly. you flex it, and it forms a neural pathway. But remember that's, that's also age. But that one age is age based. Yeah. You know, early intervention is very very key mm. because if you provide therapy at that age, you education, those other interventions and support, and a bit of reasonable accommodations within yeah. the classroom setup. I am just imagining that how the, far we can go, right? You know, this child will be able to learn a lot of skills, yes. and you are able also to keep him in. Like, like our children have a lot of difficulties in attention, attention, attention yeah, the issue of attention deficit, yes, yes, yes. sitting in one position, and also behavior issues in but the classroom. Like, like you said, all yes. these are things that the brain has been trained to. Because yes. you see, by the time I figure out what is going on, yes. and, and, and even right now we see a lot of the ADHD being a comorbid, yes. but by the time you're realizing, may I got my ADHD, I've always, me, self, yeah. self like this looks like ADHD yeah. from what I read, but the actual diagnosis we got it uh, last year, because it was becoming too and much, you've seen the sensory. Like the sensory grassroots, where you find, like, um, you know, like it's both therapy and sensory, and, and sensory, sensory oriented, the, the lighting, the classroom setup, and the learners are visualizing and learning, mm. but at the same time, therapy is happening. And the they, they are actually on that. But how many wow. institutions are looking into that? We look forward to that day. Maybe we can actually start our own yes, combined yes. <laughs> with all this information that's flowing from our experiences. Wow. Maybe it would be one solution. So yeah, if you're an investor out there and you're looking to get yes. into this space, come talk to us. Awesome. We, I think we something we are able to do. Awesome. So it has been an awesome conversation about advocacy, our journeys, and uh, what we've done as uh, individual organizations, and what we hope to see. Uh, from from partnerships and people coming together to change the narrative for the future. Like we said, all we're doing as advocates uh, for special needs and especially the neurodevelopmental disabilities and the neurodiverse community is so that the future is better for those who are coming behind us. Really? Because our children might not be benefiting from all the policy changes and the pushing for all the standardization that we are hoping to see. And today our guest was Alice Mundia from DTSK and they're doing an awesome job. And of course, watch this space for greater partnerships on changing this narrative and projects that we are hoping to do together moving forward. And uh, I have been your host, Dr. Sylvia Moran with Chabo Akinsiku. And you've been on NeuroDigest podcast and uh, we are hoping that you enjoyed yourself and that you will join us next time. All this has been courtesy of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons, where we champion for inclusion of persons with neurodevelopmental disabilities. So share, like, follow us on our social media and learn more. And also remember to light the candle of the next person by letting them know that we are here and we'll give you all the information that you need so that we can have the vision of an inclusive community coming to life. Thank you and see you next time.